Discover the tips and strategies that will help you achieve your retirement goals. I'm your host, James Canole, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you retire well. It all starts right here on Ready for Retirement. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Ready for Retirement. I'm your host, James Canole. We have a question today about annuities. I know annuities is kind of a dirty word in the financial industry sometimes. And what we want to do is flush it out and take a really just sober-minded look at it and say, is this something in this particular situation that could make sense? Or are there alternatives that could perhaps be better? So to start, we have a question from Kenton, and this is what prompted the episode for today. Kenton says, I love listening to your podcast, James. I max out my retirement and I take advantage of a Roth IRA and then put what I have left over into an individual brokerage account. A buddy suggested it would be better to put it in a tax deferred annuity instead. I did not know what your thoughts were on this question mark. This is from Kenton. Well, Kenton, thank you very much for that question. And I do have thoughts on this. Of course, all these thoughts, as with every episode, it's never specific advice, but this is more a chance to digest this and understand when might annuities be potentially a good tool for anyone looking at this from from certain angles. But before we jump into that quick note, wanted to remind you all that Spotify now has a review feature. So if you are listening to this on Spotify, I would really, really appreciate if you would leave a review for the podcast. Five stars would be awesome if you're enjoying it. And also if you're also, well, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave a review there as well, if you wouldn't mind. And want to quickly highlight a recent review and then we will jump into the episode. So this is from user CRW1966. They say, I listen to a variety of financial podcasts, and this one is one of the best ones out there. All the answers and information are well explained. I learn something new with each podcast. Well, thank you very much. And I really do appreciate all of you who do leave reviews. It allows more people to find the show. It just helps people come to the show and get this information. And so if you're finding value and want others to find that value, would really appreciate those reviews. Let's now jump into the show. So as I mentioned, annuities can be a dirty word in this industry, and they're traditionally sold by people who get paid big fat commissions for selling them. And so there's very clearly a lot of conflicts of interest with annuities. That being said, very rarely in anything, and certainly very rarely in financial planning is one thing always good or always bad. There are a lot more nuances to it. So as we look at this, there are multiple types of annuities. So let, let's, let's start by just breaking down the different types. You have everything from fixed annuities to variable annuities to immediate annuities, and they all serve very different purposes. This is not an episode that's designed to go to the ins and the outs and all the details of the annuities. I just want to give a general high-level view of how they work so we can see when might they be appropriate or when might not they be appropriate. But as we look at different types of annuities, You have fixed annuities, and these are typically for very conservative investors, where you put your money in an annuity, and an annuity is essentially just a contract with an insurance company, and they are going to guarantee you some rate of interest. Now, that interest rate might be 3%, it might be 4%, it might be 2%. It's really wherever interest rates are when you are signing that contract or purchasing that annuity, that's what that's going to be based upon. So it's typically for conservative investors or people who want potentially to replace the bond component of their portfolio, that's where fixed annuities may fit in. You have immediate annuities. And when you purchase an immediate annuity, you might hear people talk about SPIAs, S-P-I-A, a single premium immediate annuity. It's almost like purchasing a pension 
where, for example, I might put $100,000 into a single premium immediate annuity and the insurance company, based upon my age or maybe a couple other factors, says, here's how much income we'll now pay you for life. Maybe it's $5,000 per year. So it's almost like taking a lump sum of money and buying a pension with it where you know exactly what you're going to get for the rest of your life, assuming the, the insurance company, the annuity company is still solvent. And then there's variable annuities. And with a variable annuity, it serves much more like a, a standard investment account where you have different investments you can actually invest your money in. And it's not a payment that you're receiving when you're in the accumulation phase. It's not a guaranteed interest rate that you're receiving. It's a variable interest rate, much like the interest that you would assume or that you would expect on a brokerage account is variable because you are choosing the specific investments that you are investing in. And based on the performance of those investments, you're going to get a variable return based upon how the underlying investments performed. So as Kenton is asking this question, here's why someone might be suggesting to put some of his funds in a tax-deferred annuity. My guess would be, and, and I have no idea, Kenton's age, his goals, his risk tolerance, his time horizon, his retirement goals, any of that. But my guess would be that he is, or that his friend is suggesting a variable annuity for him. Probably not a fixed annuity, probably not an immediate annuity. If I'm reading between the lines here, that's not necessarily what he's looking for. But one of the benefits of annuities is they have tax deferred growth. Meaning right now, Kenton is maxing out his retirement plan. He's putting money into a Roth IRA. And the benefits of that, of course, is he can invest that money. And there's also tax benefits. As that money is growing, it's either completely tax-free if it's in Roth accounts, or it's at least tax-deferred if it's in pre-tax retirement accounts. And then the leftover amount each month, he's putting into a brokerage account. Well, with a brokerage account, as that money is accruing or earning interest or paying dividends or there's capital gains that are being realized, it is taxable along the way. So anytime a dividend is received or interest is received or a capital gain is realized, you're paying taxes on that. You get a tax form at the end of the year. It's called your 1099 and it reports total dividends, interest, capital gains, etc. Now, with an annuity, if you are investing in a similar mix of investments, but inside of a variable annuity, you are getting tax deferred growth, which means as that money is growing and you're receiving interests or dividends or realizing capital gains, very similar to a 401k, you're not actually paying any taxes on that. So if you are investing in what's called a non-qualified annuity, meaning you're not doing this inside of an IRA or Roth IRA, but let's say you put $100,000 into a non-qualified annuity, and over the next 10 years, it grows to say $200,000. Well, when you pull money out, the first $100,000 that you put in, that's going to come back to you tax-free. The $100,000 of growth is going to be taxed at ordinary income. But for those 10 years while that money was growing, there was no taxes that you paid whatsoever. So it seems like a pretty good thing. You say, okay, well, that's, that's kind of nice. I'm not paying any taxes. It should be nice to defer some of these taxes till retirement, till maybe I'm in a lower tax bracket. But there are some downsides. And so let's go over those. The first right off the bat has nothing to do with taxes or investments or anything like that. It's just costs. So one of the biggest reasons annuities have a bad rap, and it's, it's for good reason, is they can have a huge amount of costs embedded in them. So it's not uncommon to have a variable annuity. And there's what are called M&E expenses. There are sometimes writer expenses. There's just different contract expenses. It's not uncommon to see annuities where you're paying 35 to 4% total of the total contract value on an annual basis. So these expenses many times are hidden, so you don't see them, but it almost doesn't matter how much tax savings you're getting on the growth there. Anything that you are saving is almost being eroded fully in 
fees that you're paying for that annuity. So that's the biggest red flag to watch out for in most cases with annuities. Another one is it's misleading how a lot of annuity companies will talk or will frame this tax deferred growth. I literally just Googled this to see, okay, what's the first thing that comes up? You know, you're, you have a lot of annuity companies. They make a lot of money because they're selling these products that pay pretty high commissions and have high costs. So it's not too hard to Google tax benefits of annuities. And you get a whole bunch of marketing pieces from a whole bunch of annuities trying to show you how wonderful it is to invest inside of a tax deferred annuity as opposed to a brokerage account. Well, the first one that came up, I just clicked on it. And it's just very misleading how it frames it. Because what you'll see is this first one that came up, just a standard insurance company, it compares the growth of $100,000 in a brokerage account versus $100,000 in a tax deferred annuity, both of them growing for 20 years. What it shows is the person in a brokerage account, they are growing their money and every single year they're paying taxes on the growth at 25% versus the person with a tax deferred annuity they invest $100,000, it grows for 20 years. And then at the very end, they're paying 25% growth on their earnings when they pull the money out. Well, when you look at this, the first thing right off the bat, and of course, many people aren't going to know this, but tax deferred annuities, the growth on that is taxed at ordinary income rates, whereas the growth on your brokerage account, depending on how you're structuring it, could very easily be taxed at capital gains rates. So in this illustration where it's showing taxes of 25%, whether you're investing in a brokerage account or whether you're both investing in a tax deferred annuity, extremely misleading because in most cases you can pay lower taxes in a brokerage account if you're smart about how you're structuring that as opposed to paying ordinary income rates that you'd pay on the growth in an annuity. So as you look at this, it's making it seem like, oh, this is such a wonderful thing. Just invest in the same thing in an annuity and I'm not even going to talk about costs yet, but assuming the costs are the exact same, which they're probably not, the comparison makes a pretty compelling case to say the annuity is better until you realize that capital gains on the brokerage account and ordinary income on the gains in the annuity are not going to be taxed at the same rate, 25% in this example. Capital gains right now for most people, depending upon your income, is around 15% at the federal level. So it could be 20% if your income is over a certain threshold, but it's really either 15 or 20. Now, as I'm recording this, tax legislation is in process, and that could change any time, but currently call it 15 to 20%. Well, ordinary income, you're going to be paying a much higher rate than that. Ordinary income rates go all the way up to 37%. So to compare capital gains taxes to ordinary income taxes is really to be misleading here because you can get taxed at a much lower level investing outside of an annuity than you could potentially inside of an annuity. Not just that, but when you are investing outside of an annuity in a brokerage account, it almost made the assumption, well, it didn't almost, it did make the assumption that every year when you had gains, you sold them, paid your taxes from those gains, and then reinvested your money. Well, that almost never happens. In most cases, you might rebalance to keep your portfolio structured the right way, but you're not selling every last one of your gains, which is causing you to pay taxes along the way. You're deferring a lot of those. And if you can defer some of those, not maybe all of them, but some of those until retirement when you're in a lower tax bracket, or just to any point in time where you're in a lower tax bracket, you could get away with paying even less in taxes. So right off the bat, the case that a lot of annuity companies will make or people will make, or insurance salespeople will make, is we'll invest here in the annuity because none of the growth is taxable. Well, that's true to an extent, but when it is taxable, when you pull the money out of the annuity, you're paying a higher tax rate 
than you would have if you invested in a brokerage account along the way and invested for capital gains as opposed to investments that were taxed at ordinary income rates. Let's dive into that just a little bit more because I think a lot of us are probably familiar with how taxes work in a brokerage account. If you receive a dividend or if you receive an interest payment, you pay taxes on that payment the year that you received it. If you have capital gains, meaning your money is growing or your investment is growing, you pay taxes when you realize that capital gain. So with capital gains, you can, to an extent, control the timing of when you're paying that. Well, for non-qualified annuities, and again, non-qualified means you're not owning this in an IRA or a Roth IRA. If you do, then you have the same exact treatment that, or same exact tax treatment that any investment in an IRA or Roth IRA would have. But a non-qualified annuity is an annuity that you purchase maybe in lieu of a brokerage account. So like Keaton's buddy is recommending to him. Well, for a non-qualified annuity, you won't owe taxes on the amount you paid into the annuity. In the same way that in a brokerage account, you won't owe taxes on the money that you initially invested into the brokerage account. But you will pay ordinary income taxes on the growth in the annuity. Here's the thing. When it comes time to pull money out of your annuity, let's say you've invested a cumulative amount of $100,000 over the course of time, and that's grown to $250,000. Well, when it comes time to pull money out of that account, let's say you're in retirement, if you don't annuitize, and I'll talk about what that means in a second, but if you don't annuitize the product, if you just start taking withdrawal because it's just an, an accumulation annuity, the IRS is going to require that you take the growth first, meaning every dollar of income that you take until the growth is fully taken out of the account, you're going to be paying ordinary income taxes on those withdrawals until you've taken all the growth, meaning until the growth portion has been fully exhausted, it's not until that point that you'll actually start receiving tax-free portion back. So as you look at that, that's not the best tax strategy for a lot of people. With brokerage accounts, when you're investing there, if you have your money spread out into multiple investments, you can take some of the funds. You can be very you can be very strategic. Do I want to take the funds that have low realized gains? Do I want to realize some losses? Do I want to just take dividends? Do I want to just take interest payments? You have a lot more control there, which gives you the ability to implement a much more effective strategy. Whereas with annuities, you have to take the growth first. And that growth is taken as taxable income or is taxed at ordinary income rates, which is higher than capital gains and certainly higher than a tax-free removal of your own basis. Now, one way to get around this is to convert your accumulation annuity. So your accumulation annuity is just the annuity you have as you're growing your base, your balance, you're growing your account. You could turn that into an income stream through a process called annuitization. So annuitization means if in that same example, I've put $100,000 into a non-qualified annuity, and over the course of years and years and years of doing that, it's grown to $250,000. It kind of goes back to that point I made about immediate annuities at the beginning, where I could take that $250,000, go to the annuity company and say, okay, what income stream will you pay me for the rest of my life based upon this balance? And then they pay me that for the rest of my life. So for example, maybe they say, James, you know what, we'll give you... Trying to think off the top of my head what would be a reasonable number here. We'll give you $10,000 per year forever if you annuitize. So you convert this $250,000 into an income stream. We'll pay you $10,000 per year for life. Well, that's almost like a pension payment. And I'm overly simplifying this. So if there's any annuity experts listening to this, I know that there's different ways of doing this, but I'm just using this as a simple example. That $10,000 I pay, I get paid for life. I can't alter that amount. It is that amount, 
Part of that will be taxable. Part of that will be non-taxable. They'll essentially run a calculation that says, based upon the time I'm projected to receive these payments, based upon life expectancy tables and how long they think I'll live, based upon my age, what portion of this should be treated as growth versus what portion of this should be treated as return of principal. So part of it will be taxable, part of it won't, but that's only if I annuitize. And when I annuitize, I can't treat that like a brokerage account anymore where I can withdraw freely. I have to take that fixed amount every single year for the rest of my life. And some of it will be taxable. Some of it will be non-taxable. So back to Kenton's question. He asks, or he says, a buddy suggested this. Should I put my brokerage account in tax-deferred annuity instead? What are your thoughts? Generally speaking, again, I can't give specific advice to anyone. There's too many details. and There's too many variables that we don't know. But generally speaking, I don't like this strategy because in my opinion, there's much more effective ways to do this. With a brokerage account, I like that I have timing or I have control over the timing of when do I realize some of these gains. With a brokerage account, I like the fact that I can choose. Am I investing in things that pay dividends or interest or capital gains? With a brokerage account, I like the fact that I can choose to do what I want with it to complement what's within my IRAs or Roth IRAs or 401ks or other assets. And what that allows for is number one, potentially a lot more growth because it's not subject to the fees that an annuity has. But number two, it allows for a much more effective retirement strategy because now I have multiple asset types, not just stocks, bonds, real estate, stuff like that, but asset types in terms of brokerage accounts, pre-tax accounts, Roth accounts, which gives the most amount of flexibility when determining a withdrawal strategy in retirement where the annuity really doesn't. You know that whatever you're going to pull out of that, it's going to be taxed at ordinary income first until all the growth has been withdrawn, and then you get your principal back completely tax-free. Now, that being said, there are some cases where this could make sense. The Probably the number one case where this makes sense is if you already have an annuity. Maybe someone sold you annuity or you purchased annuity years and years and years ago, and maybe at the time you really had no idea what it cost because the person selling you the product didn't really disclose it, although it was probably somewhere in the pages and pages and pages of disclosures. But regardless, maybe you're realizing, oh my gosh, I have this non-qualified annuity. I am paying crazy high expenses for this. It's really not doing anything I would want it to do for me. Well, you can't just redeem that product without paying a lot of penalties and taxes. If you sell an annuity, if you redeem an annuity before age 59 and a half, you are going to pay a 10% penalty on any of the growth inside of that annuity. So if it, let's say you're not 59 and a half yet and you redeem your non-qualified annuity, you're going to pay taxes on all the growth and you're going to pay a 10% penalty on that growth for an early distribution, very similar to pulling money out of a 401k or an IRA early, except that with a 401k and an IRA, there's some exceptions for that 10% penalty first-time home purchase, disability, things like that. With the annuity, those don't really exist. You are paying taxes, you're paying a penalty in the early distribution amount. So maybe you have an annuity, you're listening to this and you're saying, oh my gosh, I didn't realize there's all these expenses. What can I do with this? Well, you can redeem it, but number one, you might pay a surrender penalty depending on how long you've owned it for. You have to own these things for several years before you can really fully access them to start with. You will owe taxes on the growth and you may owe a 10% penalty on the growth if you're redeeming it before age 59 and a half. So you say, look, between the surrender penalty, between the IRS 10% penalty, between the taxes, it just doesn't make sense to sell it. Do I hold on to it? What do I do? Well, you could do what's called a 1035 exchange. So in the same way, maybe you've heard of a 1031 exchange with real estate, where if you sell a rental property and then exchange it into another rental property within a certain time period, you don't pay any taxes on the capital gains. You just transfer them into the new property. Same thing for annuities, but it's called a 1035 exchange. 
in some cases, if you have an existing non-qualified annuity, it could make sense to transfer that into a new variable annuity, one that has very low costs, one that doesn't have a whole lot of riders or bells or whistles because those just add a lot to the cost, but purely allowing you to invest in something where you can invest in good funds and you're going to allow that tax deferred growth to continue to happen. So if you already have the annuity, you already have the growth, you don't want to sell it now and pay a whole bunch of taxes and penalties, sometimes it makes sense to 1035 exchange that into a new annuity and avoid the taxes, avoid the penalties, and then add that as part of your strategy later on. In general, though, if you don't already have an annuity, I typically, for a lot of people, don't recommend doing it. I like to look at alternatives and alternatives is number one, make sure you're investing and in, in, in maxing out retirement plans, most likely for most people. Number two, do you have any HSAs, depending on what type of health insurance coverage you have? Those are great places to start. Do you have any FSAs, so flexible spending accounts, if you have children that you're supporting, or if you have any just tax deferred places that you can put money or tax advantage places that you can put money. If you've maxed all those things out, then usually there's things like pay the mortgage down early, invest in a brokerage account, invest in other types of things that I almost always look at as being more attractive than investing in an annuity just for the tax deferred growth because that tax deferred growth isn't all that tax friendly when you go to pull it out. And there's just alternatives that give you more control and in my opinion, are a lot more effective over time. That being said, if you do want to purchase an annuity, just some quick things to be careful of. Number one, what are the costs? So understand the total cost of the annuity. Ask the person who's selling it what they're getting paid. They're going to get paid something, and that's not a bad thing. Everyone's going to get compensated for the work they're doing. But understand what that amount is, because incentives drive behavior, and the person selling this policy is going to be no different. So if they tell you they don't get compensated by you at all, they just get paid a little bit of a kickback from the insurance company, don't settle for that answer. That is avoidance. They're avoiding the answer because a lot of times these people are getting paid five, six, seven percent of the total contract value that they're selling in an upfront commission. Meaning if you go and buy, say, a $200,000 annuity, it's not unreasonable to think that person paid $14,000 upfront simply for selling that policy. So again, they're going to get paid something. That's totally fine. But understand what the costs are to you. Understand what the person's going to pay that's selling it to see if they're selling it because it's really in your best interest or if it's because it's going to line their pockets and give them a big fat commission. Number two, if you are going to do this, make sure that you understand the different annuity types. We talked about fixed. We talked about variable. We talked about immediate annuities. Make sure that you really understand what you need for your situation and choose the right annuity that fits that. Number three, understand the alternatives. Is it a brokerage account? Is it using funds to pay down debt? Is it making sure that you're fully maxing out retirement plans or HSAs or FSAs or anything else that you have? And then number four, understand your needs. These annuities aren't really liquid. So if you're looking for a liquid alternative to a brokerage account, this might not be it. And when I say they're not liquid, what I mean by that is there's usually surrender charges or surrender periods, which means if you put your money in here, you can't access that money for some period of time without paying a surrender penalty. And if you do pull money out, you are going to be pulling out the growth first. So if you're younger than 59 and a half, it's not as simple as saying, well, I just want to take out my principal if I have any liquidity needs. You're going to have to take the growth out first. And if you're under 59 and a half, not only are you paying taxes on that growth, but you're also paying a 10% penalty. So it's not liquid in the sense that cash is or brokerage accounts are where you have some flexibility of how you pull the money. 
there's some more restrictions and penalties potentially involved with this. So with that being said, Kenton, thank you very much for the question. In summary, variable annuities do have some tax deferral growth, which is potentially beneficial, but consider the alternatives, see what else might exist. And in many cases, those alternatives might be superior to using an annuity. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you for your question, Kenton. If you are listening and have a question, go to the Ready for Retirement webpage where you can submit that. That's just readyforretirement.co. Be sure to check us out on YouTube under Root Financial Partners. Be sure to leave a review. If you're listening on Spotify and you're saying, well, James, you keep saying this, I've never been able to leave a review because Spotify doesn't allow that. Now they do. So I'd really appreciate it if you just leave a five-star review. It would help more people to find the show. With that being said, I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ready for Retirement podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let me know by leaving a five-star review. And as always, for a list of the notes and the resources mentioned in today's episode, you can find those at the Ready for Retirement website, which is readyforretirement.co. That's readyforretirement.co. And if you have a question that you would like for me to answer in a future episode, then you can also go to the Ready for Retirement website, readyforretirement.co. There's a page called Submit Your Question where you can submit a question for me to answer in a future episode. Thanks as always for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hey everyone, it's me again for the disclaimer. Please be smart about this. Before doing anything, please be sure to consult with your tax planner or financial planner. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice. It is for informational purposes only.